Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hi there. So we're going to be talking Black Hat Security Conference this week. We've got a number of interviews from the floor. Chaz has really gotten some cool stuff together, some vendors that we've never talked to before. And a lot of really good information. Cybersecurity is a big deal. We are always hearing about hacks. In fact, Capital One's just come out that they're going to do a settlement for a hack that happened, I think, a year or two ago now. That's up mm-hmm. to $25,000 per person uh, under wow. certain circumstances that uh, it can reimburse. So, you know, uh, these things are costing companies a lot of money. And some are doing security well, some are not. You know, we've talked about the fact that there's no such thing as hack proof. But there's a lot of stuff you can do to make it a lot more difficult for the bad guys to get in. And that's what the Black Hat Conference talks about, is the latest exploits, some of the problems that people are seeing, how to fix them, and a lot of companies that are out there willing to help that have new ideas, new product. And the other thing that I didn't know they had there is swag. And Chaz was showing some of that off too. I believe he got a lightsaber. An action Aww. figure of some kind, yeah. So you Aww. know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, there's gonna, every every cool event has lightsabers. Yeah. yeah, well, you have to now. You have to. You mm-hmm. know, it's just uh, just to be expected. We're also going to be taking a look at selling on Amazon this week, and talking a little bit about some of the pluses and some of the pitfalls from that, including a vendor that's having some trouble with people undercutting them and how he's trying to deal with that. So that being said, that's coming up. Stay tuned. But first, what do we have in the news? Emerald City Comic Con to require masks. So this is a self-imposed requirement. They have not brought them back as far as I know in King County, which is where Seattle is, where the convention is. But uh, they've decided for the health and safety of everybody, this would be a good idea so that they're going to require masks. And what they're doing is you have to take off your helmet or mask uh, that's part of a costume when you enter to prove that you have a mask on, and then you're allowed to put it back on over the COVID mask, which in a lot of cases would be awfully hot, so be prepared for that. But it is going to allow people to still cosplay if they want to, but with this extra requirement. So we'll see what happens. I know when we went down back in December, Masks at that time were required across the board, and, you know, we dealt with it. The convention was still a lot of fun. It was kind of a bummer because we couldn't really suit out in costume ourselves, but this time we'll figure something out maybe. So we we'll see what happens. We were Harry Potter costumes that time. Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah. We did. So, so you know, and I, I have a feeling we'll probably do something simple again. Yeah. Something is making the Earth spin faster and our day is shorter. Now, this comes from our Tech Wednesday this week. So it's a kind of a question, you know, we all ask. It seems like there isn't as much time in the day. And, well, you're literally right if you think that. And what's <laughs> going on here is that every day it's possible that the day is not actually the same length as the previous one. In fact, that happens most of the time. And in some cases, it's been slowing down. I mean, this was the trend. So they've been adding what they're calling leap seconds. But now all of a sudden it's speeding up. So it's something like one fifteenth of a hundred of a millisecond faster this uh, last time around. So if you've noticed it, well, that's pretty cool, but it's probably not for this reason. However, what this is creating problems with is technology. A lot of things work on timers. And when you throw the clock off, 
it can cause some real problems. Meta was talking about this, some of their engineers saying that adding the leap seconds has created some havoc, but taking one away could really create a lot more going backwards. So Mm -hmm. we'll have to see what ends up happening here, but it is definitely something that is a concern. Now, we're able to read this because we've had atomic clocks that's been around since the 60s. So that's when the really exact timekeeping has been recorded. And that's how we know that not every day is the same length. In fact, most vary a little bit. But it is interesting that we're speeding up. Now, just to give you an idea, when the Earth was formed, an average day here was about 19 hours. So we do still have a ways to go to get back to that. (laughs) VR is as good as psychedelics at helping people reach transcendence. So explain this. Also... A little bit more legal too. Um, so, <laughs> unless you're in yeah. Oregon, I guess in Oregon it's uh, either or now. Um, don't quote me on that, and please check with legal counsel before possessing psychedelics here, because I actually don't know. But what I can tell you is that they're finding for things like meditation and other purposes, using virtual reality works very, very well. And when this has been tested, it's come out to it can have really a calming effect. Now, going to the metaverse and getting involved in all of that nonsense uh, doesn't, but there are other uses (laughs) of this technology, and this is one of them that is really cool. One of the other things I know with VR that they're doing a lot now, too, is remote viewing and some things like that to actually put you in an external environment. So it would seem like it makes sense that you could use the technology in this way, and people seem to be reacting quite well. Hmm. The Switchblade flying car, is ready for takeoff. So this Hmm. is something that's actually being produced in Oregon, and it's kind of a cool device, and I'm looking forward to getting to see one pretty soon. So this is an interesting thing. First of all, if you would like one, um, it is in the price set of a Bentley or maybe a Rolls Royce. So the basic Hmm. model, this, you know, is the one without the leather and everything, is $170,000. And then they have a special edition for 290,000 and it goes from there. Um, So the switchblade limited, which is the most expensive one is 770,000, but it's really cool. So uh, on that one, you get uh, design choices for interior cloth or leather carpeting, uh, trims, aesthetic metals, woods, and even insets of precious gems or stones. Well, it's for 770,000, you know, maybe you should. So, yeah. I, so I have a question. What kind of fuel does it run on? Uh, gasoline or or um, plane fuel? You know, the details of this is something that we don't really have enough time today to dive into. And that's a good question. What I would suggest is check out their website. And uh, it's samsonsky.com. And a lot of the details are on there. Now, what I can tell you right off the bat is it's got a pretty good range. And from Bend, Oregon, which is where this is manufactured, you could easily get down to Sacramento, California, or Boise, Idaho, or Reno, Nevada, any place like that. And they'll work with you on the details as you ask of the fuel, and also some of the other things like what licenses you may need to operate it, which uh, I'm sure there are some special requirements there. I've been learning a lot about flying vehicles lately, and the FAA is trying to figure this out because it's very likely in the next few years, you're going to be seeing a lot of personal flight devices out there. And it'd be best to get a handle on it right now so I can see where they're going with it. So, you know, if you have the money and this is something you want to do, then I guess get those details. And the other thing about fuel is, is, hey, if you can uh, uh, afford something of that price, maybe it doesn't matter so much. (laughs) South Korea develops nanotech tattoo as health 
monitoring device. So this might be a reason to get a tattoo if you don't otherwise, because it actually has a medical application to it. And, you know, I think that, um, I don't know, I'd still maybe want to use a different kind of an implant, but some of these things actually can contribute to quality of life. And there are certain situations where something like this might be very beneficial. And the way that they're going about it here is that it looks kind of cool. And if you're someone that's into tattoos, you know, it'd be something that actually offers more than just a little bit of ink. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus is raising prices. Yes. <laughs> December 18th, mm. um, they're bumping it up to 119 a year from 79 a year. The monthly is also going up to 1099 a month. If you do it that way, they are bringing on an ad-supported tier, kind of like what Netflix is doing, which will cost less. But if you want what you have now, be prepared to open your checkbook a little bit wider and, um, you know, pay out for it. I don't know if I'm going to keep it or not. We'll see. Lawyer to pay Activision for not playing Call of Duty judge decrees. Okay, you really got to explain this one. Okay, so this is a (laughs) a lawsuit. And there's been a lot of them lately with uh, Activision, as we've been hearing. But uh, they went in claiming some copyright violation and some other things that it turns out that if you had played the game, Call of Duty, for about an hour, you would know that what they were claiming wasn't the case. So it's actually one that Activision Uh won. And the judge said, hey, if you're going to prepare for this and charge the fees you're charging and all the rest of it, then you actually should take the time to figure this out. And that's where this uh, this ended up coming from. So it's an interesting topic when you hear about it or, you know, headline from there. But it actually is the real deal. And it's something that's been the case. All right, I'm already getting yes. some pushback on social media on our not answering the fuel question on the switchblade. So I'm going to do it. I'm not going to make you go to the website. It actually runs on automobile gasoline, but you do have to use the premium, 91 octane. Ah, wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's nice. Then you don't have to buy the expensive airplane fuel. This is true. This is true. So on that note, we've got a great show coming up for you this week. Like I said, we're going to be talking from Black Hat, the cybersecurity conference in Las Vegas. And we'll have our first round of interviews when we get back from the break. Don't go away. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Like we said, we have some great interviews coming from the Black Hat Security Conference that just wrapped up in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, you know, interesting topics that come out of these things. Everybody has a different approach and looks at different aspects of hacking and cybersecurity and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what these people come up with. So with no further ado, let's go to the first interview. Yes, Bill, we're back on the floor of Black Hat 2022 with Carolyn Royce, with Firemon, Senior Director of Product Management, and she's going to tell us a bit about her product and the company. Great, thank you. So Firemon is predominantly in the space of security policy management, and we are helping the security operations teams in enterprise. Uh, We're helping them save time and have better security outcomes by improving you know their day by improving security operations and, and what this means is when I have a, a number of different 
network enforcement points because you, you have to have good hygiene. You have to be able to um, reduce your vulnerabilities, which a lot of people talk about. But we're more in the side of making sure your access is managed, right? So if you don't manage your access, like somebody will say, hey, I need this firewall rule changed. Great. You make that change and then you forget about it. And a year later, your your firewall rules have all piled up and you, you need to be able to um, understand which ones aren't being used and you need to be able to clean them up. And then often you have to do compliance reporting against it. So Firemont is all about saving security operators the time going across all of that, um, whether it's, you know, a, a Google Cloud firewall situation or um, F5, all the different firewall vendors out there, including the cloud vendors that are building out more firewall-like capabilities in that hybrid world. So as people move to more um, hybrid environments, we're trying to help the security operator move into that world as well. How long has uh, Firemont been in business and where are you based uh, Good question. We are based out of Kansas City, Kansas, and we have been in business probably, I think, 15 years. You know, so we, uh, it's really a fun story how uh, our CEO is more of a technical CEO, and he started the business because uh, he made a firewall rule change for a customer in a services environment, and the customer came back and said, you broke my network, and so he had to pull out all the log information across, you know, different different firewall systems and show, like, how the change was made, so it's all about making that job easier. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time, Karen, and once again, this is Karen Royce with Firemont, and we hope you have a great time at Black Hat 2022. Wow, I hope you time. enjoy it, too. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, cool. So, Jeremy Gretchen, you guys got your firewalls up? Yeah. Yep. Good. That's a that's a good thing. You know, after uh, hearing some of this stuff, I <laughs> well, if, it's if good. I don't, I can always get an Elon Musk uh, flamethrower, and I'll create a firewall. That's option number two. It's a little more literal, but hey, you know what? That works. All right, let's go to the next interview. Hi, this is Chez Wellington with User Friendly 2.0 at Black Hat 2022 in the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm here with Karen Sheen, Chief Marketing, Marketing Officer for AppDoll. Uh, we're going to ask her to speak a little bit about the company and the product. Hi. Hi, everyone. Nice to talk to you all. Um, so we're very excited today to be at Black Hat. AppDoll provides protections for mobile apps, so that means security, fraud prevention, malware prevention, cheat prevention, as well as inline certification, meaning we show proof of protection. Um, and then the last thing we do is provide threat intelligence. So we provide attack and threat intelligence on your mobile apps, so you can make data-driven decisions about protections right in your DevOps pipeline. So how long have you been in uh, uh, business with Capital? Um, so Aptum has been around for about 11 years, and um, they have been squarely in the mobile app security space for um, that entire time. Um, they have, uh, Aptum has started with mobile app protections and then added the inline uh, certifications and the proof of protection um, over the last few years. And just two weeks ago, we announced threat intelligence, threat intelligence. 
So what that uniquely enables uh, companies to do is to identify where the specific threats and attacks are on their mobile apps. And that's not available today. Um, there is no mobile security operations center out of the box. Apto is the first one to provide that capability. I understand reading through the Black Hat material that uh, there's someone here that's going to announce ways that the SMS code verification can be bypassed in some way, or the authentication code such as Google. Uh, do you show, have any protection against those types of uh, threats? Um, so what we protect against is attacks on the mobile app, and, and so the attacks include things like um, methods and tools that are being used to attack the mobile app specifically, so that may be Frida, Logisk, um, people could be using emulators, uh, they, could use um, they could use reverse engineering, and uh, another a number of other methods and tools. So that's what we focus on at Apto, is the methods and tools that hackers use to attack the mobile apps. Is there anything you'd like to tell the general public to help them out about protecting themselves on mobile devices? Yes. So there are a number of things that app makers can do to protect the mobile app, and that's something that um, when you are looking for a mobile app that you should watch out for, right? Especially fake apps, right? Um, in the fintech space, we've talked a little bit about that before. There have been a number of fake apps, so basically apps that are being distributed on websites, and people are often lured to these websites um, to download these fake apps, and these apps are exactly like the original app, but they have an extra piece of code that will take the funds, basically, from your app and send them to the hacker or the fraudster. So it's really important um, to watch out for those fake apps. And Aptop helps protect against um, modifications of apps as well as make sure that the distribution of apps is safe. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate your time, Karen. Once again, it's Karen Sue, Chief Marketing Officer for Aptop. And we hope you enjoy Black Hat 2022, and we hope to see you next year as well. Yes, we hope to see you too. Again, thank, thank you, you so very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, Chaz, cool. We're going to be going back to Chaz a little bit later in the show. Our next segment, we're going to be talking about selling on Amazon. So stay tuned. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we give you answers. And the first question that everybody asks is, how do we submit them? 503-766-6264 is our phone number, one user-friendly on Facebook or Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. And later this fall, the user-friendly app, which I'll talk more about as we get closer to it, will be another way to do it. Cool. So listener question that has come in this week is about selling on Amazon. and for a lot of us that have used Amazon, you order things and a lot of stuff does come from Amazon directly, but you can have an Amazon store. So there's a lot of small companies that fulfill orders. And mm -hmm. the question that came in is, how do you go about doing this? If I wanted to set up an Amazon store, what do I do? Well, they do make it simple. You go online, you set up a seller's account. 
Uh, you have to answer some questions and go through some stuff. I did it. It was pretty quick and easy. And then you get set up. Now, the next question is, does Amazon charge for this privilege? Um, can either of you guess the answer to that question? Probably yes. I would assume yes. 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 Is a, that, yeah, a that percentage, would be correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple of ways that they do this. And actually, if you sell in volume, it really ends up not being so bad. But um, there's two options. They have a, a individual plan and a professional plan. The professional plan, which is what most people use, is $39.99 per month. And it doesn't matter how much you sell. That's just what it costs. The individual plan would be like if you're a smaller vendor and do a few things, maybe like a craftsman? You make or something, craftsman, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that is 99 cents per sale. Oh, so well, not the idea if you, if you sell more than 40 things, then you would go to the professional plan just from a thing. They also collect a referral fee from each sale. And that varies. That's a percentage. And that varies on the product category. So, you know, you can look at that and there's a list of what the prices are. But all in all, it's comparable to selling on a site like eBay or Etsy or something like that. Uh, I didn't think it was that outrageous or anything. But some of the other questions that come in from this is about the kind of products that you find on Amazon. First of all, things like feedback. Now, I know there's been a couple of situations where I've had people pay me to write feedback over the years. And... um that kind of a situation can skew these things. Mm -hmm. So I stopped doing it as soon as I learned how kind of bad that was. But mm -hmm. the latest incident I had with that was a colored smart light bulbs. And they would send you the light bulbs. You buy them off Amazon. And if you write feedback, they PayPal you kind of on the down low, the amount that you paid for it back. <laughs> so, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, stuff like that is uh, definitely a situation. Now, some of the other things that I've been looking at, kind of doing some research on answering this question today, is a lollipop situation. And this is another problem. Amazon does not allow, at least according to their instructions, something called drop shipping. Now, what this is, is a practice where the seller never sees the inventory. So in other words, you order from me, I call a third-party distributor, that distributor ships whatever you bought through me to you. It never comes through my business. It's never seen on my end. And from that standpoint, um, it can create some problems because I know I, you know, and I didn't know this wasn't allowed and I've received stuff from Amazon that's actually shipped by Sam's club or Costco or something. And apparently that's what's going on here. And the lollipop story is an individual that has a license to sell lollipops. It's a brand name through Amazon. And he sells a box of, I think it was 400 for $35. Well, you can go to Sam's club or Costco and buy a box of 500 for about $10 less than that. And what they're doing is they're setting up these stores where they're kind of like selling these lollipops. So he bought them, the number one, to make sure they weren't bootleg because that could be very dangerous. They were genuine, but that's where they were coming from. So now you have a situation where third-party actors are violating the rules and competing with the genuine seller and being able to undercut his price by doing it in a way that's not allowed. And the problem is, is because Amazon's so big and it takes time is when he reports them. It takes about a week for Amazon to take them down. They will because they're violating the policy. But he says lately, and he thinks it's due to people working at home and all this kind of stuff, they're popping up a lot faster than Amazon can take them down. So it's kind of created this tsunami where um, it's really creating some problem with his business. That's huh. really, so, really weird. Yeah. Well, you know, is, I've gotten some really bad clothing items from. Yeah, that's Amazon. the other thing, too, is, is there are uh. some, is some merchandise. Now, I will say, 
that every time I've run into that, Amazon has been very good. They have a thing called the A to Z guarantee. They've been mm-hmm. very good about dealing with that and getting the money back. Now, if you're a yeah. seller, it's not so good because you're forced to give a refund in some cases, even if the product is fine, just that the buyer didn't like it. So it can create some problems on that end. Trust too. me, the product is, was not fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it. In your case, it was really bad. Oh, that was terrible. We'll have to, if we have a picture <laughs> posted someday. But anyway, so, you know, one way or the other, it is an option to make money. It does work, but there are caveats. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and your comments. Do you want to ask any questions about cybersecurity? This is your opportunity to do so. 503-766-6264. One User-Friendly on Facebook and Twitter. UserFriendlyShow.com. Those are all ways to get a hold of us. All right, with no further ado, let's go back to Black Hat 2022 in Las Vegas for Chaz's next interview. Yes, Bill. Back on the floor of Black Hat 2022. It's an exciting time. Uh, great companies here. I'm here with Tyson Whitten, Chief Marketing Officer for Reversing Labs. He's going to tell us a bit about his company, what they do. Hey, Jazz. Thanks. Yeah. So, Reversing Labs, we've been around for about 12 years now. You know, this is a staple. We're at the show every year. Um, the, the reason why we like this show is because um, it's very much our target audience. I mean, we, we target a very mature security type of audience, stick the threat hunters, malware analysts. So as far as what we do is we decompose binaries, right? Like we get to the depths, inner depths of files and binaries, um, and it's defined sophisticated types of threats. Um, and so we serve a wide range of different types of uh, audiences and functions across organizations, enterprises. So traditionally, it's been the security operations center. So we provide a lot of value to security operations center analysts, to threat hunters, to the um, to the malware analysts themselves, because they need secondary types of uh, support so that they can accelerate response and be confident in their response when they see some events. A newer go-to-market for us is coming out of this whole software supply chain problem problem area that we've been seeing. And a lot of it started with SolarWinds and some of the sophisticated supply chain attacks that um, were first discovered as part of that attack, which impacted about tens, tens of thousands of their end customers. And so what we're doing now is we're able to support more of the development audience, so DevOps, DevSecOps, release managers, in which we can analyze binaries to ensure that their software is safe before they release it. So it's whether they're developing software, they're accepting software from from third parties, or they're just working with third parties that are embedding software within um, or hidden types of threats within their software development process. And so um, what it really comes down to is what we're able to do is recursive binary analysis, get to the depths of a file. We do it super fast, right? So we can analyze it in under a second. And then what we do over time is we populate the largest repo of information, goodware, malware, um, you know, over the last 10 years, 12 years or so. So we have the largest repo, 25 billion plus goodware, malware. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a corpus of information that's super important for, you know, different security professionals, whether you be in the AppSec side of the world or the SOC side, side of the world to make uh, decisions that you can be confident in. So that's what we, you know, that's what we do. That's what we focus our business on. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. 
Well, I appreciate your time, and I uh, hope you have a great time at Black Hat 2022, and we'll see you next year. All right, awesome. Thanks, Jess. Appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I think anybody that's looking for a career that likes this stuff, cybersecurity is definitely a place that is just going to continue to grow over coming years because as we get more technology and things in, we are definitely going to have more of these type of problems and need more people to solve them, which is why it's great to be able to learn about all this stuff and know a little bit more about what's going on. So, you know, here's to that. And Chaz, let's get your next interview. Yes, Bill, we're here back at Black Hat 2022 with a special treat for this episode. Uh, if you recall, we uh, interviewed at the NOC, the Network Operations Center for Black Hat in 2019. And we're here with Bart Stump. He's the lead Black Hat NOC lead, uh, secondary. So I will uh, let him tell us a little bit about the upgrades and uh, changes. Absolutely, thanks. So again, one of the... Um one of the biggest changes that we've had this year is we have a new vendor providing the switching and wireless, uh, and we've had some some additional visibility that we've gained with that that vendor at Cisco Meraki providing that, uh, and being able to get the visibility on that is has been great. Um, outside of that, not too much has changed. We got some of the same other partners, Palo Alto, um, NetWitness, uh, Gigamon providing that the other tools that we use. Uh, there's been some interesting stories again that we'll Grifter and I will talk about on stage uh, once we get out here and and, and kind of wrap it all up tomorrow. Uh, but for the most part, it's been the run of the mill, getting used to a, a new provider and what we use there. Uh, the same shenanigans, if you will, the same few things that we see uh, time to time. Uh, we do have there was an interesting wireless deauth that we had that Knox Maxis points out that we were chasing around yesterday. Um, but but outside of that, it's been it's been uh, most 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 of the stuff is all the same, and we're seeing a lot of the the same type of traffic and, and security issues that we would talk about any other time. So, all right. So what's your biggest challenge this year as opposed to past years? Honestly, it's just kind of the, pardon the term, I guess, getting back into the saddle and getting back to it. It's It's been a few years since we had everybody back in full swing, if you will, working together and, again, having some new partners doing what they provide and, and kind of getting back into the things that we do and, and who works with who, getting everything, um, again, just going back the way that it was. It felt like we were running so well in 2019. Had COVID, we were here last year, but again, there weren't trainings and the knock wasn't open. Uh, so it was obviously a little bit different, but just getting going again and kind of feeling like we're getting our stride back is, is the biggest thing here. It's nice to see people. It's nice to be open. It's nice to have the conversations and do all this again. But uh, I think the biggest challenge this year was just kind of communication, getting it all wrapped up and making sure that we're going back and, and having a smooth show. I agree with you there. It's great to be back. And 2020 was quite challenging. I was here last year and most of it was virtual, but like you said, we're back in the saddle. We are happy, right. gladly as well. Thanks for your time, Bart. You have a well. great day. Thank we'll you. We'll see you next year. Thank you. Okay, Chaz, thanks. I think what we should do at this point, because there's a lot of stuff that may have come out of that, send us your questions, and we'll go ahead and get Chaz on the show in the next couple of weeks here, and maybe he can answer some of them for you, or at least comment on some of where all of this was coming from and some of the other things that he might have seen out there. It sounds like a great show, and I know that he wants to talk about the sway he got too, so mm -hmm. we'll give him the opportunity mm -hmm. to do that as well. All right, we're going to be back after the break talking about a show on Disney+. Plus.
Welcome back. Great show this week. It's always fun from hearing from a live event and Chaz got a number of great interviews there. I think there was a lot of stuff this year kind of pent up a little bit. You know, things have been lighter at some of these events the last few years. So it's uh, it's kind of cool to see it all be back. But as we get into the close of the show here, I want to talk about a television show you guys like. It's mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. And after what we talked about earlier, you better watch it before the prices go up. So uh, yep. yeah. I assume it's on now. What What is it? Light and Magic? Okay. Yeah. Light and Magic. And it's a documentary. And uh, light and magic refers to industrial light and magic. Okay. okay. So it's the creation of the special effects company, Industrial Light and Magic, by George Lucas so that he could make Star Wars, the original film, you know, A New Hope now, but it was Star Wars, and how they did all of these special things to make things work. And and, and they explain how... Um, a lot of this stuff just didn't exist. And what he did was he kind of grabbed a group of, of brilliant people from all kinds of different spots. And uh, he'd grab this person and that person would know somebody else. And they just started collecting all these brilliant people together. And they weren't really sure if this any of this was going to work. And um, one, of, one of the people described the location as a grungy warehouse or something yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were originally a grungy warehouse. But, I mean, we're talking about people who built from scratch cameras that, could, that were motion controlled that, you know, could be programmed on a, with a computer to make the, the, the move so that you wouldn't know that it was a model. And, the, and, and then a lot of these people at home as kids. Um, they would work on projects like little uh, tiny film projects, stop animation and things like that. These people were extremely brilliant and creative, but they were doing it as, as teenagers and college students. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's a fascinating documentary series. Yeah, I mean, if I'd met these people when I was in high school or college, I would have wanted to join them and work on this kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, they have, they do the background stuff. They, you know, the, the beautiful paintings that are the illusion of the distance. They had people who were doing the sculpting and um, then the camera work. Mm-hmm. Creating the miniatures, creating all of the models, building everything, and then working with George and all the other people involved in, you know, how does this scene supposed to work? How do we get the, you know, does it go this way? Does it go that way? You know, do we start over here? Do we start over there? I mean, it's just some fascinating things about, look, it's a miniature. And, and you kind of get the idea that George Lucas was pretty uh, um, easygoing about, here, I believe in you, go do it. Now, this sounds this sounds amazing. Light and Magic, Disney Plus, check it out. Until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014-2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the user-friendly media group, Inc., or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by weirdtechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.